At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Unstoppable, Bound in His Love, Freed by His Spirit, where we're journeying through what many call the greatest chapter in the Bible, Romans 8, to uncover a more lasting force than hard work and a more enduring purpose than momentary success. So this is going to be a surprise for some of you. Probably not for all of you, but for some it will. You know, I got different hobbies that I do. Like I take care of my fish tank. I have my dog, you know. My dog is, I train him. I, we do different things. We have movies that we watch. We do, we do things like that as a family. Well, I also have some video games. Like I, I do like my video game. I'm a little bit of a gamer. I am. Not like serious gamer. So if you're like the gamer with like the whole headset thing, the microphone, the, that's not me. That's not me. I'm a fake gamer. I'm a fake gamer, and so I have, like, I have the console system. I like the console, and, like, if there's, like, a PS5 that's out, okay, I have the 4. When the 4 was out, I had the 3, so I'm always a little bit behind where everybody else is because I'm the guy who, like, will go down the basement, and I'll play, like, 20 minutes, you know, and I'll be like, okay, I got it in 20 minutes, you know, or, like, I got 10 minutes over here, 15 minutes over there. That's kind of how I do, but video games today are phenomenal. If you didn't know this, if you used to play back in the day, but you haven't played in a long time, you need to play again because here's what happens. You're playing, right? You're playing. Oh, it's dinner time. You can hit the pause button. You can turn off the TV. You can walk away. The system will turn itself off. It'll just turn it. You don't have to power it. It'll just do that, right? It just knows. And when you come back, you're in the same spot. Like the game knows. It knows right where you left off. Back in the day, it was not like that, y'all. It was not. Like if you turn off the system, turn back on, it's like the load screen comes up and you're starting from scratch. It didn't matter if you were on the last boss man or what. Like you start from scratch. And even, even if you are doing good, there's always this feeling back in the day of like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. Like I'm trying, I'm doing good, you know, pitfall or whatever it was. You got to jump on little alligator heads. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're going through it and you're like, man, I'm killing it. Well, all of a sudden then that alligator gets you and like, oh man, I only got two lives. At three lives, you're done. You start over. Doesn't matter if you're at the very end or not, you start over until, until this game came along. This one game changed everything because you and a friend could both play on the screen at the same time. That was cutting edge, you know, and, and then this code started to circle around. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. Does anyone know that code? Yeah, Contra, okay. I had like four of y'all, the first service, which, okay, so normally, normally my first service is a little bit older, but I had all kinds of hands going up in that first service, like all of them. They were all like, yep, I played Contra, and so it's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start. And then you got, if you're playing with a buddy, you got unlimited lives. If you're all by yourself, you get like 30 lives, I think, or something like that. Anyway, that was a game changer, because people, I wasn't very good at video games, but even I can beat the video game if I have unlimited lives. You know, even I can do that. Here's the thing, though. I think that sometimes in life, we feel kind of like that. I think sometimes in life, we, we kind of feel like, okay, I'm a Christian. I get it, so I feel like I'm good. And then you start going, you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it or not because then the trial hits, the, the sin happens, the, the life struggle happens, and then you're like, I just, I just don't know anymore. I thought I knew. I thought I was going to make it to the end. I don't know if I can actually make it to the end or not. I think maybe what's going to happen is I'm going to get up there to heaven and God's going to look at me and be like, oh, it's you. Oh, <laughs> 
you know, you don't, you don't get to come in here. You didn't think you were actually going to get to cross the finish line, did you? No, you don't get to. I think sometimes that's the way we feel. And that's really where we're driving in today's message. Take your Bibles. Let's open up to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're in this series called Unstoppable. We are starting the last section today, and we're going to finish up this series next weekend. So then we can launch into our Christmas series. The big idea for today is that God and all that he is, he has done all that we need to see us all the way home. You don't need the code. You don't need up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. You don't need that. God and all that he is has done all that we need to see us all the way home. Now, as a reminder, Paul is writing a letter to the church that's meeting in Rome. So he's writing to these Christians. This is chapter 8, so there's been a whole lot of the letter that's already been covered, but he's encouraging them that there are trials that we go through, there are struggles that we go through that are temporary, especially in light of the eternal glory that we have in Christ Jesus. Let's dive in. The first thing we're going to look at is how our prayers are strengthened by the Spirit. Chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 26 and 27. Paul writes this. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Lord meets us in our prayers, church. He participates in our prayers. We see that he helps us in our prayers. Do you see that? First, he says, likewise. That's how he started this passage out. Likewise, which means in light of what we talked about last week. Last week, we talked about how many sufferings that we go through as people. The sufferings that we face are temporary when faced with the eternal glory, right? We, we face temporary struggles, but it doesn't even compare with eternal glory. And yet, he's talking about sufferings, trials struggles, the things you go through that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, those things that we go through. You know, sometimes when you're going through those times, or maybe it's just me, maybe it's not you, sometimes when we're going through those times, you don't even know how to pray, do you? You're in that spot of going like, I, I want to pray, but I think I forgot how to pray, or maybe I don't even want to pray. Maybe I'm pretty grumpy with this whole situation, and I'm pretty fed up with it all, and I don't even know how to pray. Here's what the Bible says about that. It says, the Spirit himself, Paul writes, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That even in that spot of when you don't even know what to say, the Holy Spirit is groaning and praying on our behalf. And if you're going, well, how does he do that? Well, we gave you a picture a couple weeks ago. I took a piece of Tupperware and I wrote you on the Tupperware. Actually, I wrote on a card so we could reuse the Tupperware, right? But I, I, I put you on one of the Tupperwares and I put you in sin. Do you remember that? And so you had the big Tupperware that said sin on it with you locked in it because you're a hostage to sin. You're a slave to sin is what scripture says. Well, when you surrender to the lordship of Jesus in your life, something incredible happens. You got to take you out of sin. Now the spirit dwells where? It dwells in you. And say so you, you put the Lord in you, and then we put you in Christ because we have been adopted into the family. So he's in us, and we're in him. That's the picture we have now. So the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf as he is dwelling within us. 
And then we see that God searches hearts. That's not new language, searches hearts. We see that in 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, Psalms, Proverbs, that God is a God who searches our hearts. He knows those places that are in line with his ways. He knows those places that are, are bent towards sin. He knows our hearts. And so he's the one who knows the mind of the Spirit. So the Spirit takes our prayers when we're at our weakest point and continues to bring our hearts into alignment with the Lord. Isn't that powerful? Most, most simple illustration, I think, of this whole picture is with a baby. Think about a baby who can't talk yet. You know, maybe they can crawl. That's fine if they can crawl. But they, they don't talk. Picture that size of a baby. You can shrink them down a little bit if you want to get like a little bitty baby. Like that baby right there. There goes a, there goes a baby right there. Okay, kind of like, like that baby. So when a, when a baby gets upset and they start crying, you know that there's one of just a few things that they want. But they don't have the ability to say, you know what would really make me feel better, mother or father? It would really make me feel better if you would just hold me because I'm feeling very insecure right now. Right? I, I just don't feel good. So if you could just hold me close, that'd be They don't have the ability to do that. They don't have the ability to say, you know, I do have a hankering for that blue bottle. Boy, howdy. I tell you, the clear bottle's all right, but it gives me a little bit of gas in my tummy. And so if you just give me that blue bottle, it'd sure be good because I'm hungry, you know. And they can't do that. They just cry. And so you as a mom, you as a dad, you just have to know. And it's funny how you do, right? You, you do know. You do know, oh, they just need change. That's all they need. Well, they just need help. They're not even hungry. They just need help. They need burp. They need, they need food. Like our, our, our baby's hungry and the baby just needs some food. You know as a parent, they don't even have words to speak and yet you know. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit knows because our hearts have been searched and there are times where you're groaning and you're aching and you're going, this is not just in the world today. This is not the way it ought to be. This is a place where I'm hurting, where I'm aching, where I'm angry, where I'm broken, where I'm upset. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to do in that moment, church, because he is talking about the sufferings that people are going through. In that moment, the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf. That is so beautiful. Next, we're going to see that our circumstances are synergized for our good. It's the first time I've ever used video game illustrations and synergized as a point, but our circumstances are synergized for our good. Romans 8:28. And this starts, by the way, this starts a series of three verses that for so many, these verses are so pinnacle in your faith. They just are. These are three verses that you have studied deeply. This one, you may have this on a, on a poster at home. Like you may have it in a framed picture or something, but it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So we were just talking about prayer. It's one thing to understand prayer and what's going on there. But now Paul wants us to help us to understand our circumstances. He wants us to understand the circumstances. And to do that, he says, we know that. You see that phrase? I'd, I'd underline that right there, actually. We know that. Because what Paul is saying here is this is not new teaching. We know that. You've already been taught this. This is a repeat of things I've been going over. Therefore, by this point, we know that. This is not Jesus when Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. See, when Jesus says that, you should lean in. Because Jesus is saying, hey, guys, 
I'm going to tell you something different here. Right? I'm going to tell you something that maybe you haven't heard. This is different than the rest of the teaching you've had. That's not what Paul's doing. Paul is not giving us new direction. Let me say that again. Paul is not giving us new teaching. He is not giving us new direction. He is saying we know that. This is to build on what you already know. And he says that all things are working together for good. And I love how intimate and how personal he makes this. Because sometimes when we think about God working all things together for good, that word God, for some of you, we're talking about a void somewhere in the cosmos. You know, he's just kind of out there floating, who knows. And that's not how Paul describes this. Paul describes a God who's intimate, who's personal. We know that. Who's we? Who's he talking about? Well, Paul bookends who we is in this conversation so that everyone is crystal clear. He says, for those who love God, that's what he says in the beginning. And he closes the book in for those who are called according to his purpose. I'm going to come back to that. Those who are called according to his purpose. I'll come back to that. But for those who love God. So this is being written intentionally for Christians. You guys know sometimes when I get up here and I speak, you know, that, sorry, I got kidney stones. Sometimes it hurts a little bit. Um, you guys know that sometimes when I speak, I'm, I'm speaking specifically to people who are outside of the faith. Right? Sometimes I'm speaking to people who are exploring faith and they're trying to figure out what they believe. And other times, most of the time, I'm talking to the church. I'm talking to Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul is writing this letter to the church. He's writing this letter to Christians. He's writing this letter to those who have surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. To those who have said, I declare that I believe that Jesus is the son of God who lived and died and who lived again, who conquered sin and death. And I place my faith and my trust in that truth. Paul's saying that's who we're talking about. We're not talking about the whole world. This is not teaching for the whole world. This is teaching for the church. And he says, I want to encourage you that when you're going through a circumstance, because they were going through circumstances, when you're going through trials and tribulations, don't focus just on that. Because even in that circumstance, God's going to be glorified. Even in that circumstance, God is working all those things for a greater good. You have the hope of glory that is waiting for you. Don't miss this. That you are not just the circumstance that you're in. I think one of the most powerful pictures in Scripture of this is Genesis 37 through 50. Most of you guys know the story of Joseph and his fancy colored coat, right? You got Joseph. And the story of Joseph is he had so much potential. Everything was right there. Man, he was, he was happy as could be. But his brothers were really jealous. And so his brothers took and they sold him into slavery. Right? You guys know this story. They sold him into slavery. And so as he goes into slavery, he ends up getting this great job, but he's still a slave. Let's not skip that. He's a slave. I know it's a great home that he was in. It was a nice home and he got food and he was a slave. Let's not skip that. Sometimes we do, don't we? Like we read the situation he was in and you're like, oh, it's not all that bad. No, he was a slave. He didn't get to go where he wanted. He had no freedom of thought, no freedom of choice, no freedom of speech. He had no freedom. It was like that picture of you trapped in sin. He's in bondage. He's in slavery. He's trapped. He can't get out on his own. Because it's in that spot that he was accused of something. Well, truth doesn't matter. There's no trial. Are you kidding? He's a slave. There's no, there's no trial there. So they take him and they go the next step and they put him in prison. 
Now, it doesn't really tell us, but I would think that in that prison cell, he would have felt pretty alone. I would think that he would have felt pretty forgotten. I would think that he would have felt pretty voiceless. You ever felt voiceless? You ever felt alone? You ever felt forgotten? You ever felt that spot of God, how is this working together for your good? How are you being glorified through this? I would think that those conversations would have been natural. We, we don't know. We, we just don't know. Here's what we do know, that it was there that the Lord continued to grow something that had already been planted in him, this ability to interpret dreams. And he was able to see that there's coming this famine. First, there's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. He ended up elevated. This is the fast-forward version. He ended up elevated to the second most powerful position in all of Egypt, In all of Egypt, because they were able to store up enough food to survive this famine, it ends up with his brothers coming to him, falling on their knees in front of him. And here's what he says. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me. But listen to what he said. But God meant it for good. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. The moral of the story is, Those who have hurt you are not going to come and be on their knees in front of you. That's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that even in the midst of the trials that you face, even in the midst of the injustices, God's at work. God is at work. And when we keep our eyes open, we will see how he's glorified. And this is all pointing to a future glory that we have waiting, which is our last point. Our future is secured for glory. All right, real fast, I'm going to tell on you. We had just finished this service last week. So the second service finished up last week. We get in the car, and our normal thing that we do as a family, after we decide what's for lunch, our normal thing that we do as a family is we kind of debrief the service. How did it go? Well, you talked really fast today. You know, it's that sort of a thing, right? You know, or yeah, no, you didn't go. You slowed it down actually for the second service, which was great. So they could understand you, and that was, that was much better. You know, we normally do that. But last week we got in the car and Amy's got her Bible open and she's like, all right, I want to talk about verse 29 and 30. And I'm like, oh, honey, that's next week. Like, we're not there yet. I need a nap first. Like, we got, <laughs> we got to get a nap. This is one of those places, verse 29 and 30, that literally Christendom has split over. And, and some of you know that and some of you, you're like, what? I don't understand. You understand as we get into it, but Christendom has literally split over this. And so I do want to slow down a little bit so we can work through this. It says, for those whom he knew, or for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So verse 29 and 30 make up what's known as the golden chain of salvation. There are books and books and books written on these two verses. Literally, we could take uh, the the next six weeks and pick apart these last three verses. No problem. Like we easily could spend a series of weeks and do a whole series on this. It's called the golden chain of salvation. Verse 29 and 30 exists because of what we read. I said I was going to come back to it in verse 28. It says, for those who are called according to his purpose. Right? Remember that? Verse 28, you can go back and look. For those that called according to, who are those and what are his purposes? 
Who are those and what are his purposes? That's really what 29 and 30 is addressing. That's what it's talking about. So let's go through, through this. Verse 29 starts with the word for. Four. Well, four is linking it. Verse 29 and 30 should never be viewed on its own. You should always go back and read what's before it and read what's after it so you get the full context. When you see that word for, that means we have to go back and see what it's there for, right? We got to go back and read and we see verse 28. So this is addressing what was previously written. The other thing is, remember that this is chapter 8 of Romans, meaning there's seven chapters before this chapter. This is not the thesis statement of this letter to the church in Rome. This is not the thesis statement to it. This is chapter 8. So this is teaching, this stacking on top of teaching. Now a chain, you already know this, a chain is individual links that are joined together. The only way a chain can stay a chain is if the links are linked together. And so we're going to view these five verbs. There are five verbs that we see listed. For new, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. We see these five verbs working together to make the chain. And since it's a chain, I can start anywhere in that chain that I want to, right? Because they all have to be true or none of it's true. That's the way a chain works. So let's start in the middle with the word called. Look at that word called. It says again, it says, and those whom he predestined, he's also called. That word called is the same word that we see in verse 28. It's the same word that we see in chapter 4. And it's this call of God where people then respond in faith. And because of their response in faith, they gain this right standing with God. Salvation comes through faith. That is a theme that he's hit on again and again and again all throughout this book of Romans. That our salvation comes through faith alone. Not by our works not by what we can do, not by following the rules, not by following the law, that our salvation comes through faith alone, that God calls. That's what we see with Abraham. With Abraham, God called him. He wasn't out seeking God. God called him. He responded and gained a right standing because of his faith. That's what we see happening here, that those who are called are then justified. That's that next word that we see. That word justified, it means to gain this right standing with God. That as we are called and we respond with faith, that we are now justified. We get this right standing with God. This is another link in the chain. Now, once you understand called and once you understand justified, it makes it a lot easier to go back to the start of this where we see the two words that cause a lot of angst in people. A lot of angst. Foreknow and predestined. Let's look at those, foreknown and predestined. Foreknown, of course, means to know in advance. Right? I, I know in advance what the last song is going to be. Why? Well, because Kip and I talk about it, right? So I, I know in advance what that's foreknow means to know in advance. And then predestined, these are the words that tend to get people anxious. Now, if you're wondering where that divide in Christendom happens, you have what's called an Arminian theology and a Calvinistic theology, and, and we don't have time to really pick it apart. But essentially, one says the power and the, the movement of the gospel happens in the individual, and one says it is through the power and the work of God, 
right? And so it's like, where's the power? How does salvation happen? Does it happen because we make a, a logical decision to take that step? Or is it God who's been working through this? And then there's degrees within there. I don't want to get in all it because I got just like a couple of minutes left to finish. And so just know that that's where the conversation is. But what I want to point to, and this is so important, we always skip it. People tend to get anxious because they want to know, well, was I foreknown? And did he predestine me? Like, because I, I, I want Jesus as Lord and Savior. So how do I know if I've been predestined or not? Like, how do I know? I love how one pastor said it. One pastor said, no, anyone can get in on this. This is not just a small select group and everyone else is just doomed from the beginning. Like anyone can get in on this. How do you know? How do you know if you've been predestined? How do you know if you were foreknown? Well, it just told us you were called. If you've surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, then those other things have to be true. But what I want to point to is we always look at that, that predestined word. And what we want to do is we want to say, God either picked some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell, or it's all in the ability of us to decide when that's not what it says. Do you see what it said? Look again, go back to scripture. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Why? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's why, that we would get to be image bearers of Jesus that we would continue this process of transformation to be a better reflection of Jesus. That's what it's for. How do you know that you did that? Well, because you surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because he called you. You are justified. This is a chain. This is working together. Again, I know I'm giving you the fast-forward version of this, but this is literally for anyone who believes. Anyone who believes that Jesus is the Son of God that he is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the whole world, that salvation comes through Christ and through Christ alone, that when we surrender to Jesus, that we become adopted as sons and daughters. Remember, this is teaching on what he's been teaching already. This is stacked on what he's already taught. We have been adopted as sons and daughters. We are recipients of the Holy Spirit of God who's praying, literally praying on our behalf. Which then takes us to the spot of your glorified. I talked last week of how we live in this already but not yet reality. This is an example. To be glorified means to be, to be sinless, right? It, it means to be clean. It means to be, means to be radiant. We're not there yet, right? We continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but we're not there yet. But there's a day coming, friends. For every single one of us. Well, we'll stand face to face with the Lord. And you don't need to know up, up, down, down, left, right. You don't, you, you don't need all that. You need Jesus. Because it's through Christ that when you stand face to face with God, the scripture says that he will wipe away every single tear from our eyes. You'll be in a place with no sin, no sorrow, no pain, no weeping, no mourning. All that stuff will have passed away. You will be in glory. That's the promise that we have waiting for us. And it's a promise that comes only through Christ. That's really the apex of all of this. You and I, we don't get a right standing with God because we, we try harder. Because you try to follow the rules more. Because you, you go to church. Talk about such a beautiful segue. Did you hear that testimony this morning? 
Like, yeah, I mean, I, I tried to talk about church stuff, and sometimes I, I went to church, and, but then I got it. My eyes were open. He called, and I responded to the Lordship of Jesus, and everything changed. There was new life. You want to know what happens when God calls? Life happens. Go back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When he spoke, life came. The same thing happens spiritually. When God calls, spiritual life comes. You go from being dead in your sin to being alive in Christ. That's what happens when God calls. I just want to point out none of this has anything to do with you. God foreknows. God predestines. God calls. God justifies. God glorifies. God is the one who does it. We just believe. That's what we do. We're people who just have faith in him, but he's the one doing the work. And I was asked a question a couple weeks ago. Well, I just want to know what happens if all of a sudden I just start to fall into places of doubt and places of sin. Like, what do you think? Can I, can I lose my salvation? That question was asked. Again, I want to go back to this chain. If one thing is true, all these things are true. Can I lose my... Well, if you can lose your salvation, that means that you can be bad enough to lose your salvation, which would mean then you can be good enough to earn it back. That's not the gospel, friends. That is not the gospel. That is not scripture. Scripture teaches that by grace you've been saved through faith. It's faith alone that gives us a right standing with God, not your, not your works. Otherwise, we end up boastful. We end up prideful, pointing at, look at what I've done. Read through the scripture. This is not what we've done. This is what God has done. And so my hope is that for my brothers or sisters, there's some encouragement today. There's some assurance today. This is not, I, I hope I can make it to the end. And when I get face to face with the Lord that I've done good enough, this is not that. Our faith is securely in the Lord and we can rest with confidence in that, that even when you face the unimaginable, the situation that you'd never wish on your worst enemy, even in that place, you know he is working. You know that he is a wonder-working God, even in those moments. And you know that in those moments that you don't even know what to pray or how to pray, that the Holy Spirit is groaning on your behalf. That he literally is praying on your behalf. And we know we know that when he calls, when he speaks, new life happens. For some of you, that new life needs to happen today. You've never surrendered to Christ. Maybe today is your day. Father, we do thank you. We do thank you for the work that you continue to do in and through us, Lord, for these beautiful baptisms that we were able to celebrate and to witness. Lord, for the 4,000 who will receive Thanksgiving dinners this year. Lord, I just, I pray for that moment when they sit at the table this week and they gather hands to pray that they're just able to see, even in the midst of struggle, your goodness, your grace, your working. That, Lord, we're not seeking to make more of the name of Woodside, but we're seeking to make much of your name. That it's your renown, that's the desire of our hearts. Lord, I do pray. I know that I've got brothers and sisters in this room who, um, it has been a trial recently. They have been through those, 
those sufferings and those circumstances. I, I just pray there continues to be joy there because we know that you're at work. We know that you're working to bring the good, Lord, that even through these things that you'll be glorified. Lord, that you've given the Holy Spirit to us. What an incredible gift. That the Holy Spirit in those places where we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to say. Lord, you're, you're praying, interceding on our behalf. And Lord, I do pray for those that maybe they've never surrendered. That they understand the call because you did foreknow. You foreknew the covenantal love that you would have for your people. Lord, I am in awe of that. That there is a covenantal love that you knew so far in advance. And it's grace. Lord, here I stand, and I, I don't deserve to stand here. I didn't do anything to stand here. Lord, if I got what I deserve, I would be canceled right here, right now. I would be canceled. And yet you continue to have grace on me and patience. Lord, for that person who's far from faith, I pray that today they hear your call and they respond. That there's a surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Continue to help us to have a, a hunger and a passion for you. That, Lord, we continue to open your holy word and allow the transformation to happen in our lives as we walk out our salvation with fear and with trembling. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.